Hey everybody, welcome to the 85th episode of Two Views Movies Podcast on Us. Want to ring the bell? All right. Ding, ding. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Two Views Movies Podcast, a spoiler-filled podcast from Kansas City, Missouri, by two guys who love watching movies almost as much as we love arguing about them. I'm Garrett. And I'm Carson. You want to wanna share with everybody what we're talking about today? Us. Well, yes. Not us, but Jordan <laughs> Peele's us. I just love talking about us. <laughs> I mean, that's that's why we podcast, right? I mean, if we didn't want to talk about us and our opinions, why would we really have a podcast, right? <laughs> right. So we're diving deep in the horror genre. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see your take on exactly that, because uh, I know that you said that Get Out is not really a horror movie. I said it wasn't scary. It's a horror movie, but it was more suspenseful than horror. You're not going to you know, look out your window and see anybody from get out out there you're not i don't think so it's it's not one of those that scene in get out where that dude just randomly runs at him is is pretty creepy yeah but that's not something that keeps you up at night (laughs) i don't know if i was outside at like 1 a.m on my uh driveway and i just saw somebody sprinting at me i think i would sure (laughs) but that doesn't mean there's nothing from the movie if anybody just dead sprints at you it's gonna be terrifying I, I don't know any other movies I can think of off the top of my head where somebody in the middle of the night just dead sprints at somebody else. Well, I think of Dawn of the Dead when a little girl just dead sprints at you. That was pretty terrifying as well. Well, that was after she hopped up and had blood all over her mouth. That's all. <laughs> yeah. But again, it's not something that keeps me up at night, wondering if someone's going to sprint at me and then run right by me. <laughs> That's fair. Oh, no, please don't run right by me. <laughs> Hey, it inspired a whole get out challenge where that happened for like a whole, I don't know, three weeks, whatever the life cycle of a meme is that that was a thing. Did it really? Yeah, it was like the get out challenge where you just basically like sprint at people, you know, either with their phone or I don't know. Like I said, the life cycle of a meme is like two weeks. So I don't really remember exactly how it went down, but I know it was a thing. Oh, well, I missed that. Yeah. Which I'm sure there'll be... I didn't didn't get my opportunity to run at anybody. (laughs) I'm sure there'll be like an us challenge at some point or... You know, at least at Halloween, I mean, everybody's going to default to red jumpsuits and scissors, right? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty easy. Yeah, that's the best, right? Because it's easy. <laughs> the easiest, <laughs> It's cheapest. easy and everybody knows what it is. Exactly. Okay, well, let's get into this. Um, right about now is when I usually cue up the music. Um, so I feel like I have to at least acknowledge the fact that that I Got Five on It remix is some of the best music I've I've ever heard in a movie of all time. Of all time, even. Yeah, I, I don't, I can't think, I mean, no, if you had said before the trailer and before the movie that this this music could be turned into a horror-sounding music and make it feel scary, you'd be like, whatever, it's, you know, it's I Got Five on it, classic 90s rap, whatever. But uh, the way it's used in the movie, the way it was used in the trailer, I, I absolutely love it. It's, it's been on a loop ever since. Oh, uh, no, I mean, it's fantastic. I agree in the movie and in the trailer, but... uh ever is a strong word yeah i guess I, you could probably you know caveat that a little bit by saying you know 
maybe if you want to call it like the best remix in a movie ever i mean i don't know many songs that get taken from i mean it's a they've been doing it in the trailers a lot right like they slow down a song or whatever but like this was just incredible to take it from a rap song to like an orchestral horror song incredible yeah and when they placed it in the movie that was really good too yep totally agree so let's get into it. Letterbox blurb. Husband and wife Gabe and Adelaide Wilson take their kids to their beach house expecting to unplug and unwind with friends. But as night descends, their serenity turns to tension and chaos when some shocking visitors arrive uninvited. Directed by Jordan Peele, which is his, what, this is a sophomore effort after Get Out, which we already talked about. Cast is Le- Lupita Nyong'o, Winston Duke, Evan Alex, Shahadi Wright-Joseph, and Elizabeth Moss. So let's go. Where to begin? Where do you want to start? I'll I'll let you lead. Okay. Um, I I would like to start, I guess, where the movie starts. How very Um, creative of you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, And mainly I'm doing it because it was, uh, without spoiling our episode, one of, if not my favorite moments in the whole movie. Um, The whole opening, the way it's shot, the way... The colors are the what's happening in it, uh, the tension that's built, and, and I'm obviously talking about where uh, young Adelaide is with her parents at the Santa Cruz boardwalk, and you know feels compelled for whatever reason to leave her dad's side and go to this Indian House of Mirrors. I can't remember. I know it's a House of Mirrors fun house type thing, and there's a big painted Indian on it or whatever. Yeah, find yourself your your spirits walk or your uh Yeah, so yes. that that whole opening scene I thought was fantastic and it happens all before the credits and then when it's kind of done they cut to the credits but easily one of my favorite moments of the whole movie. I I, I can't wait to see that again because I think it's just so well done. Yeah, no, I agree. I have I have no no complaints. Well, good. I, I, we're off to a good start then. <laughs> we we are in agreement that the opening scene is is incredible. How'd you feel about the uh, Michael Jackson Thriller shirt? <laughs> oh, With all the new, uh, Michael stuff coming down. Not really new, uh, but yeah. No, uh, totally. I, I, you had to wonder if Jordan Peele, because I'm sure by I actually I know by the time that uh, Leaving Neverland aired, I mean us was done yeah. in the Complete, can completely done yeah. yeah i mean it, it it was at south by southwest like two weeks ago and what leaving neverland was like four weeks ago so you know he had to just be like oh man like i don't want to have to answer questions about this but yeah I, I think if this had been made in 2020 or maybe it was like if it was filming right now i guarantee you they go take that out right right that'd be a different shirt but it is such the perfect shirt though right like if we can get if you can separate the art from the artist, which some people can and some people can't, and I, I totally can agree with either of those takes, but if if you can separate that, I mean, there's not a better shirt than that, right? Because it's in 86 is when this is happening. Um, you know, there's all the undertones of of, of thriller and, and what it means and the occult and all this. You know, when we see the red jumpsuits later, it kind of feels a little thriller jacket-ish kind of. So it, it is the perfect shirt for that setup. And so, with the the Hall of Mirrors, it being an Indian spirit walk, did uh, I'm sure you did. You caught that they changed that. Yeah, it was a uh, Merlin when she goes back in modern day. Yeah, it was a, a wizard, you know, a wizard walk yeah. instead. Which, of course, everything else kept the same. They just changed the name to keep it more PC. Right. Yeah. What did you think about the opening? sentences where it talks about the tunnels that was weird 
You know, I, I agree with you on that. I I felt like I know what it's trying to do because we, we've seen way too many movies that, that do that. They throw a random quote or a lyric or something out there, some little nugget. I, I want to say maybe even, um, oh, not glass, Unbreakable. Unbreakable starts with some opening text about comic books. And I remember that one feeling really weird. And in hindsight, it, it's it's fine. But with this one, I was like, well, that's that's so specific. Yeah, it is okay. I, I need to use these tunnels for something. And so I want to let everybody know that there's tunnels all over the US, not just where subways are. Yeah. So I, I agreed with you. Like I when I saw that, I mean, immediately knowing what the concept of us was, um, I mean, immediately dots are connected, right? Like, okay, clearly the us people are coming from tunnels. So like the whole movie, then you're watching it thinking tunnels, 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 tunnels. Right. <laughs> And I don't know that it really had any other thing. So it's like, did you really need that? Did you have to include that in there? I mean, could if you just told us later that they came from tunnels, would that, I mean, would you really buy yourself? Yeah, maybe that's a line of dialogue throughout later. That's not as, you know, right in your face. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, I, I wanted, I was curious as to what you thought about that, because I, even, like I said, even when it first came up on screen, I was just sort of like, eh, okay. Fine, you're you're telling me where they come from. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, we're in the opening, but we're not there, so I'm going to keep some other comments to later. Okay, so the other big question I have for you is, even though we both really liked that opening scene, uh, did you immediately go to the fact that she, the, 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 that the switcheroo was going to happen? How quickly did that enter your mind? <laughs> so, so you jumped right there. Okay, so I was saving my comments, but you you jumped right there. Well, I, so, I wanted to talk about I wanted to talk about it here because uh, it, it's kind of been established in the trailer because there's that one trailer where uh, it reaches out for her in the trailer, like her she sees herself and she reaches out, and you you never know whether that's a dream or it's just put in the trailer. But the way the opening scene laid out, I just felt like. Um, so I want to get your answer, but I, I immediately was already thinking, okay, th- there's a possibility they switched. Yeah, uh, I had, there's a switcheroo in here at some point. Um, and I thought about it as a kid, but then as it went, it didn't make sense and it still doesn't make sense. Um, <laughs> and, then when we got to the actual one, uh, it was like, well, why didn't, they could have done the switcheroo during the fight of her killing herself and the other one taking over at the end, um, opposed to it being all along. And it would have made more sense that way. But I, it was definitely in my head. Anytime you have a, a doubles doppelganger type movie, um, there's always a switcheroo. It's just a matter of who, who's the switch. Right. Yeah, totally. And I, and I said that to my wife because she was like, oh, I didn't really think, I didn't really expect it or even notice it. Like they threw that in at the last minute. It was like kind of a good twist. I was like, really? Because like maybe I've just become jaded with, not jaded is not the right word, but we talk about this a lot and how we, we've just seen so many movies that you just start to play the guessing game. And it's getting really hard to trick somebody who's seen so many movies. So yeah, I see a double and I immediately start thinking, okay, well, there's a possibility that they were switched. Right. Uh, I agreed. and. I thought it would be more like one of the kids, but one kid would be obvious because his face was all burned up. And I thought maybe it would be the girl, you know, as we mm-hmm. were going through, because she yeah. seemed n- normal enough, just a little psycho. Mm-hmm. And, and so I thought maybe that was where they were going because, 
you know, it didn't make to me. It still doesn't make sense that it was Lupita, but um, yeah, I, I was waiting for the switch, and then okay, on the switch. Since we're jumping all the way to the end anyway, the little boy that's given his mom the glare mm-hmm. of "I know that you switched," kind of, but that's always been his mom. It's not like his mom switched. Yeah, but I think that there were some things that he saw his mom do. Um, that like I think it's especially in their their friend's house when she's killing, uh, one of them in the house. She she acts a little bit different, and she has kind of a different look in her eyes. And I almost felt like she made like a different sound that kind of sounded like one of them. Now I don't. It could have just been a regular scream, or whatever. I'd have to go back and and watch it. But that seemed to be to me the moment where he started being like, "Hey, my mom's acting kind of funny," and it felt like. I mean, if I'm if I'm playing devil's advocate here, it might be that that's always been his mom, but now that he's seen how the others act and then he sees his mom act and he can kind of figure out that they're, she's kind of acting like them that might throw him off a bit. That that's kind of what I chalked it up to. Okay. But it's like, he's given her a look like, I know your secret, but it's like, that's always been your mom. That's the only lady that any of you have all have ever known, you right. know? So it's not that big of a, a twist versus if she had switched places and put on the clothes of the other one, you know, and then switch places, then it'd have been more of a twist, I thought. Oh, sure. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. But I, I think I think it's that he saw something in her that makes him realize that maybe it is his mom. Like, he's not debating whether it's his mom or not. I think he's debating, like, wait, who who exactly is she? Is she really one of us? Or has my mom been one of these people all along? I think it's more like that. Yeah, I I didn't like it. I guess I didn't I didn't mind it. I just don't think it really added anything. Like, I think you could take the twist out of her, you know, having been switched as a kid. And honestly, like, the more and more the movie went on, you could just start to, like, if you watch the movie with that in your mind, like, that you think they've already been switched, then it was pretty early on where they're starting to to hint at some of that, especially with, you know, them saying, like, oh, I just want my daughter to talk again. Now, at that time, you don't know that the us people, uh, what are we calling them, the tethered, you don't know that the tethered can't talk, but there's there's all sorts of clues that you see pretty early on that 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 happened, and and I didn't think they were really even like hiding it all that much. But I guess if you didn't quite play the guessing game, then maybe those other clues don't stand out as much. Well, to be honest, if them switching only raises more questions than like, more plot holes than anything in the movie. Like, had they not switched, then a lot of the other stuff would have made more sense. Yeah, I agree. And and I kind of thought this is where and I have a problem with with some of the the story too and I kind of thought this is where you would have some hang-ups because yeah, I I think there's plot holes in in general with I guess what's being laid out as to what's happening in the movie. Um but I agree with you. It it kind of it, it makes it worse because of the switch because then you start to really question the mechanics of everything. Yeah, I mean, so if she can talk eventually that all tethereds could talk right no so my my well i shouldn't say i'm not gonna say anything if i say yes or no to any of your questions <laughs> this is your guess I, yes thank you <laughs> this is my assumption this is not me saying definitively so my understanding is that uh she can talk because she uh was human at one point not not a tethered so she learned how to speak before she went down there the reason no, I feel no, like no. she... I'm talking the uh, the fake one that took her place. The tethered that uh-huh. is now the mom. 
Okay. She learned. Okay. She learned how to talk. Yes, because she was around people that could talk, and they helped teach her to talk. But okay, but Lupita was down there, and she couldn't teach them to talk. Well, so my my thing I'm guessing is that I mean we we have no idea how the mechanics work down there, right? But at all, my thing is yeah. Uh, I my assumptions would be that down there it's just like uh, it seems like everything's been run amok. It's an abandoned program somehow, and there's all these people, uh, clones that are down there that are shells of humans with no souls. And she has trouble talking because the however we want to call her the the Adelaide that we know. So there's Ad, let, let's do this. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> let's call her adelaide or lupita is like the one that we know from the trailer as the mom everything and then the other one from what i've read online she's referred to as red so okay red is the one that's that's down there my understanding is that red got her larynx crushed basically when she was choked out so she one can't talk uh very well and then two uh, basically everyone around her is a bunch of uh zombies who can't really process things like that so she's she's different so that's why she communicates with them with like the hand signals and stuff so i don't think she was capable of teaching them i don't think they were capable of learning but she was able to do it because obviously she was a human and then the uh adelaide who went up you know she's able to get taught by normal humans and learn how to speak well so we think her larynx was crushed I think that has to have something to do with it, right? I mean, she definitely was choked. I assume that she has some kind of damage. She was drugged down there. And so I think it's a combination of probably having some throat damage. And you're, when you're in an environment where you can't talk to anybody for whatever, your your speech is going to stop at whatever age she was, eight or six or whatever that was. So riddle me this. I'm getting into plot holes before we get back to the regular part of it. No, I think that's fine. The... uh so she's handcuffed down there to a bed, right? Yeah. Uh, Lupita, I guess red now. Mm-hmm. Uh, why can't she just leave the way she came? I don't know. I don't know what the rules are. I think that another question is how did she ever get unhandcuffed? Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Somebody would have I mean, to have done it. Right. Like, do any of the, are the tethers just strong enough to break her out of there? You know, why didn't she leave? Uh, you know, she was unconscious. But the tethered would have had to have somebody up there would have had to have unlocked somebody, you know, because they're mimicking all the movements. Yeah, mimicking them roughly. Yeah, they don't really have. I mean, it. Yes, I think the mechanics of this story really, really start to break down because you see things like um, the people that are on the roller coaster are, are the their tethered copies down below are clearly not on a roller coaster, but they're like moving like they are. Right. Um, so, so are you always bound by somebody? And then what if your person that you're tethered to travels to New York? Like what happens then? Do you stay in the same location and you're just like mimicking like you're on an airplane? Like the logistics of it don't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Nor how are they even tethered? You know? Sure. I mean, I can, but- I can suspend disbelief on that in terms of, you know, cause they say we were trying to do an experiment where. We could the government could control the people, normal people, with their tethered versions, and that there's some kind of tetheredness going on there, and they share a soul. But you know, I, I can I can go along with pseudoscience that gives us that. I don't have a problem with that. Let's see. And how much easier would it have been to go supernatural with this, opposed to try to do a government scientist conspiracy thing? It would have been so much easier to say these are your your others, you know. 
underneath that have a reflection of your type of personality or whatever they were trying to do there. Like that right. makes so much easier, cleaner. You don't have to explain supernatural. Now it's just a weird, you know, oh, why didn't she, that? Why didn't she just walk upstairs? You know? Right. Well, she, and I she think, wasn't supposed to be <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it's, it is really bizarre. I, I don't know why they chose that. Um, I, I think it's a it's an idea that looks better on paper and in execution, not so much. And and actually, I think there was probably a way to execute this and still have his idea be there. But I think the problem is he sort of half explains things. And sometimes I think no explanation is better than half explanation. Does that make sense? Yeah, her little exposition there at the chalkboard just muddied everything. Yeah, that, it, that was rough. I mean, not only from a storytelling standpoint, but like from a movie making standpoint, you, you should never get yourself into a scenario where somebody in the last 20 minutes of a movie has to take five of that and just tell you what's going on. Well, even at the beginning, you know, her, as soon as they sit down, they decide to explain what's going on. You know, let's go back, go back to the beginning now. Uh, so we're in the, um, the first time we see the tethered standing out on the driveway. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm going. Fantastic. Okay. Love it. I love the family standing there. I love that they're all freaked out about it. I love the way they move and scatter. And and this is, in my opinion, the highest point of the movie. When they're trying to get in the house and they're just being all freaky. We know it's them from the trailers. We know that it's their others, but we don't know why or what the heck's going on. Sure. And the most heightened part of the movie for me okay. until they, they sit, they sit down across from their others and she begins to talk, which is odd. I thought how that all scene played out. Um, what about it? And well, when, how she started to talk, it just seemed, it seemed weird. Like how physically yeah. she talked. Yeah. Oh, like okay. It, yeah. I mean, it, it was weird, but I, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Super creepy. It was almost comical, I thought, at that point. Oh, really? I didn't get that at all. I was, like, super creeped out by it. Well, I was I was not. And then each of them <laughs> take their, their, their others. Like, what's the point of the others? To kill their other and then take their place? Is that not take their place, but just to kill their their tethered and live well, yeah, up, so, upstairs? Uh, right? Yeah, That's the I mean, goal. For, yeah, from our understanding that we get much later is that uh, they want to become untethered. They want so that by doing by killing their tether, they're able to be more free, and then they want to show everybody that they exist. But for um, Red, she's got a more personal vendetta against uh, Adelaide because of the switch. It's just theirs seems like why don't they just kill them? Why are they explaining all this? I mean, it was. It's that one I can forgive a little bit because it's sort of the horror movie logic of I want my revenge and I want this to be slow. She even says something like that, like this is we're not going to go faster, that we're going to make this slow or something like that. So, uh, again, horror movies are just riddled with things like this. And and that's one that I could I could forgive that, you know, we want to take our time. This is going to be great. Um, But you touched on something that I was going to ask you. um, So I want to hit it while we're here. But that is, did you think that. In order to become untethered, you had to kill, you specifically had to kill your tether? Well, it, it made it seem that way. Agreed. It, 
Yeah, it made it seem like the little boy had to kill a little boy, little girl had to kill a little girl, and the big guy had to kill himself. Yeah, Agreed. it definitely seemed like that was the way the way to do something. But then it by not killing them, you know, the the family at at first it was like, do they mm-hmm. have to keep him alive? If one dies, do they both die? So I was going down that that route of are they just trying to capture them to switch places with them? And but then that all when the the other family when they just murdered them i was like okay that that has nothing to do with it right yeah i, I, agree. Thought, I, thought, I thought that's why they were messing with them and she didn't like she didn't kill the the other girl like the tethered girl didn't kill the sprinting girl but she just wasted no time in killing that random guy <laughs> the neighbor guy right. you know yeah and so it's like yeah. okay she doesn't she didn't mind killing clearly um but maybe she's just messing with herself because she can't kill herself i thought it was going to be something along those lines of need to capture you not kill you yeah and, and i can see why you think that too because the the dad you know he puts him in a uh, bag and is driving him out in a boat somewhere yeah, right <laughs> why so yeah i mean again i can kind of suspend the disbelief of you know we're out for revenge you know the other family was just looking to uh, kill their people and become untethered but this had more meaning and and red had thought this out and she really wanted to punish the family or get her revenge or whatever it is and i i can i can sort of forgive that but it does i can i can forgive it on a kind of superficial level but it's got these tentacles that tie into the other plot mechanisms of how does this all work and that's where it gets tricky because normally when you have this is if it's like a human doing it to another human you know i want my revenge there's no strings attached right it's it's bad movie logic but you can just kind of forgive it for what it is but this one because it kind of ties into all these rules of like i need to get untethered and how do other people get untethered it it kind of has this ripple effect of yeah okay but you know you could have just killed them and everything would have been you you would have been untethered or you could have killed the family and then Red could have wanted her revenge on Lupita, and then it could have turned into Lupita, you know, or not, yeah, Adelaide. Yeah, slash I mean, because the rest of the family didn't care, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm with you. I I think that's going to be the challenge for this movie. Uh, and honestly, it was a challenge for me personally. Is that there's so much about this movie that I genuinely love, and I think is great and awesome, and it harkens back to things that I love a lot, like Twilight Zone episodes. But it, it kind of shoots itself in the foot in a couple of ways where you're like, you didn't have to do that. You you didn't have to take it that far. No, I agree completely. And I thought, you know, I didn't know if he was trying to go Black Mirror with it and make more societal statements and make it all around science opposed to supernatural. Because, again, that's that's the easy way, easy way to do it. Uh, they're tethered supernaturally somehow, some way, you know. And they're mimicked down there, and they could have all the same motivations down there uh, without having the complications of, you know, what what do the rabbits eat, you know? And sure, <laughs> you know, sure. How, how do how do they get new clothes? You know, I just it doesn't make sense down there. And those are the kinds of things that I'm okay looking past. I, I can get past rabbits. Like where do they get all the red jumpsuits? Sure, and I I think it's those are fair. You know. And they all said, okay, we're going to all wear these now. Now, if they would have always, see, it would have made more sense if they would have always been in those red jumpsuits, you know, instead of trading up clothes throughout. Like, it makes more right. sense if it's a government-type right. facility that they wouldn't have, you know, 
different clothes that they would have all been in these red jumpsuits. Sure. So I thought, it, it begs so I thought the, that was a miss. It, it begs the question, when did it start uh, being like unfunded or whatever you want to call it, unran, right? Like when we see um, those uh, flashbacks of the people that are dressed in actual clothes and they're like riding the roller coaster and stuff, is that, was that when it was still kind of trying to be functional? Like when did it cease functioning? I do not know. It made, made yeah, it seem like I, it was it was that way her whole life. Agreed. That's what I think too. But um, I, I actually think like I can so I can forgive the the what do the rabbits eat? I can forgive where do they get clothes and scissors or whatever. Um, but when it's on I such a large scissors, yeah, when it's on such a large scale, it becomes harder. So I think it's actually more of a problem of scale. Like if, if he had said that this was only operating at like this one location in Santa Cruz. You you might have still had to kind of figure out how do you how do you explain you know the dad's tethered being able to meet up with the mom's tethered because I'm assuming they didn't grow up in the same place you know he's wearing a Howard University sweatshirt and that's out on the East Coast I think right so you present some logistical issues like that I think that come up but if you had had if he had done this on a smaller scale and just said that this was operating only for a handful not even a handful of people maybe like twenty five to fifty people some of those questions start to become irrelevant, right? Like you don't really care how they get 25 or 50 jumpsuits, right? Cause those could have just been stashed there by the government when you're right. saying that the entire country has tethered with you. That's when you start to have questions. Cause it's like, okay, that's an entire population. And that's, that doesn't seem practical. No, I agree completely that, uh, it, I mean, the hands across America thing, I thought, really took away from the plot as well. I didn't like that at all. I didn't, I felt like they're trying to tie something back to the 80s, but it I think them mass murdering a bunch of people is enough to say that they're here anyway. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense in a in a thematic storyline because that was the last thing that she saw, you know, she was watching TV before she got abducted, so that's kind of stuck in her brain as a way to how do you make a big splash uh, with all these? So if you buy into the premise that there's hundreds of millions of these tethered down there and you want to, uh, you know, lead this riot. And the last thing that, you know, she saw before she was abducted was hands across America. It makes sense from the story perspective, from a watching a movie perspective. It's yeah, it's a little hard to, it's a hard pill to swallow. But does it make sense from her side? I mean, she had, does she have to talk to every, every tethered in America? to know that that's the plan like how does she even communicate with people outside of her santa cruz i mean it's well again hey guys we're all gonna do <laughs> hands across america it doesn't make any sense well that's why i'm saying uh, from a story perspective and like the theme of like a that girl would remember that this is the one thing so i'm talking like conceptually i can see how you could tie that in but again logistically you're just gonna get into a, a boatload of questions if you start to try and figure out how that would actually get pulled off right because how do, you're right. How do they even communicate down there? What do they have? I mean, I, I feel like it was an attempt to try to put a cool spin on like a uh, body snatchers or uh, zombie invasion type movie, but it's it's not zombies. It's not the dead. It's government clones that come from underneath. And I do think that where Get Out kind of paralleled, uh, not paralleled, but sort of um, poked and prodded clearly at uh, themes of race, I think this one's supposed to be read as more of class. 
Uh, I think that's what people will take away from this one. And so I think there were some things that might have been shoehorned in there to try and, and make those comparisons, like being involved with the government and this whole population that exists under uh, the ground, and but they're still bound by us. And the people up above have all these things like boats and houses and cars. And these people down here have nothing. They eat raw meat. Like, I think that's the direction this is going, but I think there was stuff that was shoehorned in to try and make those points. And it doesn't quite work from a like movie enjoyment standpoint. Yeah, I, I thought all of that detracted from what was a really cool premise set up. Um, actors, director, all of that was spot on except for the story. I, I don't disagree with you there. I really don't. And I think it's a problem, like I said, of scale. I think if you had been able to write the story in a way that, you know, you make the you make the mom, Salupita and Winston Duke, the, you make that family like high school sweethearts. They've never really left the area. Um, you make the, the clones really only be that facility at the Santa Cruz boardwalk. And so there's only, you know, however many of them, some kind of, again, you, you eliminate the problem of scale and yeah. logistics and all that stuff. And everybody can kind of buy into it. Because if it's a government facility, oh, they've got rations down there. They've got rabbits, you know, they, sure. it'll last them. You can get away with that. The minute you expand it to an entire country, it, it just starts to crumble. Yeah, Truman Show-ish. You know, it's all a controlled experiment. Yeah, so I, I think you're right. I think plot holes, I think we could sit here and pick this thing apart all day. And I, I think there were some bad choices on Jordan Peele's part that, that that leads to that. And I think usually I'm not one for picking apart plot holes especially in horror movies, because God knows, you know, those are filled with them. But I, I think when you, when you bring it on yourself, like this one did, some of them, I think you can overlook. And I think people should overlook. I think others just beg the question. I think to your point, the twist did not, did not do the movie any favors in the sense that then it makes you pick at it even more. Yeah. It just, I felt like expectations were high. One from the trailer, two from get out, you know, of he's a he's a smart guy and he's going to do something smart. And then that's what we get. Like, you'd expect that from a normal horror movie. But I think expectations are really high for this. Oh, totally. You know, and so that's why it gets opened up for more criticism, because it wasn't as good as it could have been. And I feel like should have been. <laughs> like, it was right there. Sure. Like he had all, all of he had the entire. All the right elements. It was all right there for the taking. And I think that's what's more frustrating, that it wasn't uh, trying to fit something into a box, that he had the box. And then my analogy is going, no, he crushed the box. I don't know. <laughs> Tore a hole in the box. I don't yeah. know. But it was, uh, it, it was all right there. Uh, like there. The acting, I thought, like I mentioned, all, all of her family, I thought, was dead on. Winston Duke, that was great. Lupita was great. Both kids are great. You know, I thought that was, you know, there's no downside to any of that. Yeah, agreed. I, I'm spot on with you. I thought Lupita was incredible. And I thought Winston Duke uh, was just right behind her. You know, I thought he was great. I was happy to see him get a, a good, nice role like this after uh, Black Panther. I think Jordan Peele just got a bit ambitious. It's not a bad movie. You know what I mean? Like it. And it's just, it's almost a little frustrating because it's a really, really good movie with some things that where it just took some missteps and shot itself in the foot. So then you're left, at least for me personally, how I feel about this movie is 
I love so much of it, but then there's this other piece where I just, I, 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 I can't reconcile it. Right. It's like, that's not a good decision in it. And, you know, then we sit here and pick apart the movie for 15 or 20 minutes. And that's what you want to do. You just want to pick, 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 instead of being one of those movies where it's like, okay, the more you dwell on it, the better it gets. I think the problem with this one, I think it'll get better as I watch it because I think I'll continue to enjoy the parts I like more and more, but then it doesn't, it doesn't really warrant rewatches on like a plot level, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you may be able to, like you said earlier, you know, pick out, pick out parts that hint at the twist, but it doesn't, it's not going to make any of the rest of it make any more sense. Agreed. I think you'll be able to go hunt Easter eggs in this like crazy because I know he put them in there. I think you'll be able to enjoy Lupita's performance over and over again and the music, I, I think. But I don't see this plot holding up very well to additional scrutiny. It, it just, it, there's so much there that you have to look past. Like, okay, so a good example of this is I, we, we talked about the, um, that end scene where she's dancing and they're playing the I got five on it and and it's mixed in with like the two Lupitas fighting by the chalkboard. Well, they, they yes, by the chalkboard and okay. that spills out in the yep. hallway and stuff. Yep. I think yeah, that one. Uh, like like that's such a good scene. It's such a good scene. But then like as you're watching it, you're like, okay, well, which one of those two? Okay, the one up that's dancing above ground is clearly uh, the clone that switched. But then you're like, well, how's the one down there? dancing and is she only dancing because now they're tethered but if she was a human is she still really tethered like how does that work you know what i mean is she is she the one in control or is yeah yeah exactly so then you yeah, how, how does that work and and like that whole that when they hit the uh the five on it song i'm so distracted by the the exposition that we just got right before that yeah now that got me out of like that's so cool that they put that song in there like like that and it wasn't even the song, it was just the um the orchestra melody, yeah, uh-huh. if you will. Yeah. And that was so cool, but it's like, God, that just didn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, so I'm still back on on her whole explanation of everything. Yeah. That that she just did right before that. But if I could just cut that piece out and just skip straight to the fight scene, you know, I that'd be make the movie at least ten times better. Yeah. And and that's what I'm saying. Like when you rewatch it it's going to be hard to be like, oh, this song is so cool. And the way he's cutting back and forth between the fight and the dance is so cool. And then you're also being like, okay, but how's that even working? Because who's controlling who and why would they control that one? And like, that's what I feel like my brain's going to do this whole time. So I'm not really sure how it's going to hold up on rewatches for me. And, And that's been like my whole mental process since I left this movie has been like, Every time there's like there's these five things I really love, and then there's like these other things out here that are just nagging at me. It's it's really tough for me to reconcile. It's like why would it make sense that just because they switched places that Red would all of a sudden be in control, just because she's underneath? Yep. Like that doesn't make any sense. Nope. It really doesn't. It's uh, and that's why the government facility doesn't make sense well if it was supernatural and they swap through some portal or whatever then you're like okay she's trapped down there and now she has control it's just it's just easy clean you know yeah but i agree i don't get it i don't get it <laughs> i know um <laughs> the the one thing i did because i think we covered a lot of the stuff that i wanted to say but the one thing i wanted to ask you about because i'm not quite sure how i feel about it is is the humor mainly uh winston mm-hmm. i liked a lot of his humor initially but not 
once we got into the the this is supposed to scare you part. Yeah, it's like the kill count joke. I was actually okay with all that. Okay. I was okay with the kill count joke. I wasn't okay with his the boats or whatever and there's a couple more in there that he sprinkled in that it wasn't right time at all, but the kill count one was was funny. I like that. Okay. Yeah, I'm kind of torn. But the rest, the rest of it, he was he was like, "You wouldn't be doing this right now." <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, I was <laughs> you know? I was kind of torn on that as well. There were there was times where I thought it worked, and there was times where I'm like, "Oh, that really tucked me out of the moment," kind of thing. Well, I liked the reason I, I think I liked the kill count is because Lupita didn't just blow it off; she actually counted hers as well. <laughs> right. You know, and so, but it was more of a no. Actually, I went and I killed her in there. You know, it was more of it was more of a she was not making it. She was reconciling her kill count. You know, yeah. And it kind of worked that way. If it was just him doing it, then maybe not. But I like that the whole family was was talking about it. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I, I did forget to mention. Uh, I, I hate to just belabor the the plot holes, right? I, I feel like such a jerk because I don't want this to be a whole podcast on just us picking apart plot holes. Um, the the one I think that got me the worst was when the the son backs the other one up into the fire, right? I, I mean, why? How? Why? Yeah, like, uh, are are we dumb? Like, did we miss something? Well, it's like he's the only one that figured out he could control him, and why does he all of a sudden control him? Yeah, that's the other thing. I Maybe don't... it's because he's so young, and the other one hasn't figured out how to break the tether. Is something along those lines could have been in there? I don't know. But it's like, so when he's doing the mask thing, you kind of see that he could do that. Mm-hmm. You know, so they, they kind of hinted at that. Um, it's like, why is he the only one that can do that? Yeah. It just happened to be figured out and done at the exact right time, right? Like right when they're about to be in a bad situation and then he just magically figures out that he can walk his tethered back into the fire. It was, I mean, as the audience, I just remember... He figured it out in the closet. Did he? Yeah, because he, when you put his mask up and down, the he was figuring out that the guy would do whatever he would do well, in the see, closet. I, I guess I took that. I knew they were mirroring each other, but I didn't really walk away from that scene with the understanding that he was controlling him. I thought it was just like, they were just honest, like mimicking. Oh uh, no, I felt like he was controlling him in the closet. Yeah. And then he did it again, but I just didn't understand. I thought he was going to tell the other family members that they could control him somehow. Yeah. That, but at the end of that scene, why does red take the boy? I don't know. Why not? Why not kill the boy? I mean, but why take him and then do nothing with him? Did she put him in the closet? Did he hide in the or the locker? Did he hide in there himself? Like he wasn't used at the end to lure her there in any sort of way. Why wouldn't he be in that classroom? Well, I mean, I don't know. it didn't, didn't make. What was like, was she doing with the boy? I, I, was he just bait to get uh, Adelaide to go down there so that if she did kill her, then she could come back up as a swap i mean clearly that would never work because her voice is all messed up and everybody would know i mean i I don't know i don't know why they took the boy that she didn't lure her down there for any particular reason other than to tell her the story of what's all happening but that could have been done up above so it'd been one thing if there was something down there that she had to see for herself or anything like that but that's not how the movie played out no i i didn't get what because and i didn't get was he hiding in the locker himself 
and she lose track of him somehow and then it's like if she lost track of him why was he even down there yeah at all to begin with yeah it doesn't make it clear whether he hid there or whether she just stashed him in a locker anyway but no i i actually liked the scene where it was a trap and then he backed him into the fire i like that that's how the kid died but it doesn't make sense with a lot of the other stuff going on. Right, exactly. Why of why of why he could do that. I like I like the idea of the scene and I feel like that's where it came from was I have this idea of they could still kind of tethered, but we don't really understand why that's possible still. Right. It was like the tether and why and why only him. Yeah. Yeah, that the the idea of being tethered only worked like in for the boy and in those two specific scenarios, like in the closet and then out on the street. But why no other time? Right, exactly. Yeah, I agree. How'd you feel about his friend? Uh, whose friend? Winston's friend. Oh, the, Josh. The the white family? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I could take it or leave it. it. I'm not really sure why they needed to be there other than uh, to serve as sort of like the own, like your mechanism into seeing that other tethereds exist. I, that, I'm sure there's some social messaging in there that's happening with the classism because that guy was super, you know, wealthy and into all his stuff but story-wise i'm just fine it's whatever story-wise i'm fine with it i didn't like who they chose for the whole family oh like okay they didn't like they, they messed with the creepy vibe and almost made it humorous oh i think that's what they were going for with with the family with, with, with their tethers yeah, I, I I think that because that, that guy's a comedian and I felt like everything involved with that family was like anytime they were hanging out with each other on the beach, it was all supposed to be kind of jokey and uh, there's, a, you know, plastic surgery jokes and they're making something and then there's the whole Alexa type jokes that are happening in the house. Like, I feel like the that family was kind of there for comedic purposes for whatever reason. I think the family was there, but the tethereds that all of a sudden weren't scary. And were also being funny. Uh, well, it was I, weird. I felt like the his, his tethered, actually. Well, but I thought his tethered was basically trying to look like a drunk asshole because that's what that guy kind of is. So he's like this shadow version of this guy who just you know is lazy and conceited and drinks all the time. And I, I felt like his that came off pretty well as like uh if you've been trying to mimic this guy up above and that's how you would be. So I, I, I didn't have a problem with it. No, I didn't like it. I was like, you could have, it's like, now it's not scary. You know, I, I don't know. It's probably the actor, but also just what they did with the tethered that, you know, Winston's running away from him, but he doesn't, he looks just comical, you <laughs> yeah. know? I mean, I, I think it's like, okay, I, this, is just, this is just goofy now. I think that's fine because I think it's from really scary from being hunted in their own house by people that look really creepy like them. And then you go to the, the white family and all of them are just like, la da 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 da. You know, it's, it takes, I thought it detracted from the creepiness of the movie. Well, yeah. And that's if we're was, still trying to be horror and not science fiction. Well, that's what I, what I was saying earlier is I think sometimes the humor kind of broke the tension. And I think, most of what happened at the beginning of that scene where they're in the house with like the Alexa jokes and some of that stuff was like this really weird blend of comedy horror. It, it tilts more horror after they get like the dad out of the way in the, the um, initial kills. Cause like then after the, the daughter has to go around with a putter and kill people and Lupita has to fight the other one. Like it, it kind of 
tilts the scene back to normal. But in the beginning, I do think it's played for more laughs. Yeah, which you don't need in this. No, and that's you're, why you're I was, beyond the laughs at that point. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying earlier. Some of the attempts at humor just didn't quite click like they should. I mean, if you want to be funny during a horror movie, I have no problem with that. But if it doesn't click, it's going to feel off tonally. Agreed. The, the only other thing I'll say though is that the editing to me was a, a little bit off in places, and maybe it's not even the editing. I, I would say it's maybe just the the pace of the storytelling because the the beginning I think feels a little bit long, and then it like I agree with you, it really ramps up when they're. Uh, when they first show up on the driveway, but then it kind of levels off again, right around the time that you're mentioning where they get to the other people's house or maybe right after it kind of flattens out again. And then it starts to ramp back up as we, as we near the ending. So it's almost like this have a nice line that sort of increases up all the time. It, it was kind of like a stair step. It was like, okay, we go up a little bit and then we level off for a little bit and we go up a little bit and level off. And it, it kind of, it wasn't, I shouldn't say it wasn't bad. It was just that it kind of tucked me out of it at a few moments and just never constantly like with get out. I felt like it ratcheted up the tension the entire time. And this one just kind of took some breaks here and there. And I don't know whether that was story or editing or, or what, but something there wasn't quite right. Did you wonder how she was going to kill the kids? No, the tethered kids. No. So she like that didn't concern you at all. Like she's taking the, with the golf club out and going after her tethered daughter. And then I was like, I wonder how this is going to look of her beating a child to death with the golf club. And then they, they had her already dying in the tree. It's like, okay. And then she was about to, did she have the golf club again with the boy? Well, she has the, she has the fire poker. The daughter's the one that has the, the fire. Po- that, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. The fire poker. And then she's coming after the, the little boy with the fire poker standing there. I was like, is she really gonna stab this kid? With I the guess fire poker. I guess and I never thought kid, it. Sure, but <laughs> sure. I guess I thought it, I didn't think it was ever gonna come to that. I kind of always assumed that it was gonna go the formulaic one for one route because the dad got his kill and that each kid was gonna find a way to overcome themselves or whatever. That's where I thought the movie was tracking the whole time. Yeah, well, she went out there with the poker, and I'm like, this isn't. I don't even know how to write this scene. And then the kid obviously changed it all. Right, but it was. I was like. I don't know. Is she, is she going to finish off her daughter with a fire poker? You know, <laughs> right. like that. It just seemed like, like this is going to be an interesting scene. I just didn't know how they were going to do it because they, were, they weren't young kids, you know. And, I mean, they were young kids. They weren't adult kids. So it just seemed like that was going to be a weird scene. But they, they backed off of that. Yeah. So I'm running out of things to say. What about you? <laughs> yep. Same here. So let's get to it. I am Thor, son of Odin. As long as there is life in my breast, I... I'm running out of things to say. Are you ready? What did you rate it and why? So I ended up giving it a three. Um, Ouch. And I, and I hate that. I know. And it, it all comes down to the plot holes. And it really detracted from all the good things. And I could probably be a three and a half after another watch if I could just ignore those. But and, and part of that is, again, expectations versus what we actually got. And so I might be a little harsh right now, but I'm at a three. Yeah, love the acting, love the directing. Didn't like the story. And, and the fact that it was such a good setup that makes me angry after that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you? I, I'm at a four. That's pretty, pretty high. Yeah, but it, it's... 
it's the battle that you just mentioned. I think I just come out on the other side of it at this point. Especially when I think about it compared to other horror movies. You can pick apart horror movies all day long. So I, I do think there's a little bit of um, more heavily scrutinizing Jordan Peele because of Get Out and because of the hype and because we, we know what he's capable of. Where I think with other movies, we would probably have the same problems, but maybe not scrutinize it as much because you just don't expect as much from a, a horror movie. So it's just really that back and forth that we've been talking about this whole episode. I, I truly think some of the directing is top notch, like just completely fantastic. Like I mentioned, the, the opening boardwalk scene, e- even the stuff where there are plot holes. There's no denying that it's filmed incredibly well. I mean, he's clearly one of the best directors out there right now. So. How do you balance that with a story that just sort of falls apart the more you, you scrutinize it? So can I set that aside, which I tend to do with most horror movies anyways, and then what's left for me to look at? And when I did that, I, I landed at a four for this. I, I, I feel like you and most people would, would do that. So I, I understand why. But again, it's, it's that last third of the movie that just kind of kills it. Yeah, and I, I will say, I will say, I think I'm actually bothered. But, 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 there, but there's pieces, there's pieces in there that are really good, you know, mm-hmm. in the yeah. last third. But yeah, I, and I think that I am actually probably more bothered by the exposition scene than I am needing yeah. to suspend disbelief on everything else. That's the one that really got me because I felt like, okay. Jordan Peele, I can forgive you for getting a little bit too ambitious with your story here, but you should know better than to need a story that that takes a, a three-minute exposition from a character to explain what it is that we're looking at here. And, and I think that was hands down the worst scene of the movie. Right. I don't disagree with you. So what was your favorite moment? I think you already told us, but uh, I'll let well, you. You know, I, I, I'm split. It's either the opening beach slash boardwalk scene or it's the uh, five on it sort of montage, if you will, at the end where she's dancing and there's also the fighting and everything. If forced to pick, I think I'm going to go with the dance scene at the end because I I don't know that that music just puts it over the edge for me. That that is a really, really well crafted scene. No, it is. It is. I, I agree with you. Is it your favorite? It's not. It's not because it took a, a giant hit from the scene right before that. Sure. So uh, I have two. Uh, my honorable mention is them standing at the driveway and then all sprinting apart and then trying to get into the house. So I really like that scene. But I really, the one I was going with, actually, I'll probably go with that one. But the one I had coming into this podcast was I liked the boy backing up into the fire. Like I, I like the idea of that, but it doesn't make sense in the movie. But I like that standalone scene. So yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. I, I think I'll my only comment on those would be it, it's typically hard for me to give best moments or favorite moments to things I've seen in the trailer. And the driveway scene was in the trailer, not the rest of it where they try to break in the house, but the specific driveway where they break apart, that's in it. And then the boy with his hands out, I don't think you can tell directionally whether he's moving into or away from the fire, but that that's in the trailer too. So I feel like it's already something I've seen and that makes it tough. That's why they put it in the trailer, which is the best scenes in the movie. <laughs> yeah, there is that argument to be made as well. <laughs> All right, so what's one thing you would change then? I would just make it, I've said this a couple of times, make a supernatural opposed to government secret society stuff. And clean, easy, there's another world down there. And uh, yeah, makes it 
makes it easy. No more questions. <laughs> well, I went kind of the same route as you, um, except I was okay with the science-y aspect. I just was saying, like I mentioned earlier, just just scale the scope down. I, it might be harder to make your uh, thematic message, your social, social message, uh, when you have a smaller scale, but I think it works better for the movie. So I can understand as an artist, he may not want to give up that social commentary he's trying to make, but uh, it's definitely a, a risk-reward trade-off or a cost-benefit trade-off. And I think I would have gone for the smaller scale, better story, better movie, because truly I feel like us, I think there's going to be people look at this and see like 15 different things about the social message. Whereas with Get Out, I think it was crystal clear what that one's going to be. So if you're going to have a movie with a nebulous message anyway, then, you know, just go for the story. So I would just say scale it down. Don't, don't do the big hands across America. Keep it to 100 tethered or whatever it is. So Martha Kentit. I don't know what you mean by that. <laughs> the world's so big, so make it small. Oh, okay, got you. See, whenever I hear Martha now, I think of Batman vs. Superman and talking about Martha, and that, that's where I go. So I was not following you. <laughs> Martha, yeah, yeah, that's that ruins her name for everybody ever. <laughs> it really does. So, what what casting change would you make? Uh, I actually have a total cop out on this one. I I don't have one. Uh, and, and, again, well, it, we've talked no, about well, we this. No, and we talked about this before we added this question back into the podcast. I said the one thing I don't like about asking this is there are going to be movies where you don't feel like there's a casting change. I don't have one. I had zero problem with. Any of the people, I mean, given you don't see a lot of people in this movie, to be honest, you're, you're building a whole movie around essentially, uh, you know, like six to seven people. And even some of those start to get ancillary. So I, I, I didn't have a problem with any of them. So I, I don't have a casting change. Nothing. You got nothing. No, nothing. Literally nothing. No. Awful. There's going to be movies where you don't have a casting no, that's change. Not, that's, not the, that's not what we do here. You have to change somebody out I, I, to make, make it better. Nope. Nope, I gave you fair warning when we put this question in. There will be movies where that won't happen. That's lame. It's a four-star movie, and you wouldn't change any of the cast to make it better. No, I didn't have a problem with any of the cast or any of the acting. That's, that's five-star stuff for me. I didn't have any problem with that. Ridiculous. So who are you changing? The neighbor. I, I took out. Uh, okay. I took out Josh. And so I wanted to have somebody who... Could be douchebag, rich, rich guy that you're comparing yourself to, but that the main thing was I wanted his tethered to be more sinister and scary, and so that's what I was kind of going with. And so my first choice, which I backed off because it didn't fit the age, was Bill Skarsgård of Okay Pennywise. Mm -hmm. I wanted uh, I wanted him, but I was like, wait, he's only thirty; he wouldn't have teenage what yeah 17 year old daughters is that what the twins were something like that and so i uh i aged him up and went alexander skarsgård <laughs> okay i don't have a problem with that but th does that really i mean that doesn't seem like it's doing much oh it makes it makes the whole scene at his uh at the white family's house scarier it it makes it not if they still play it not if they still play it to comedic effect if it's still written to play like comedic effect then it's not going to change. You make his you take his character out was not even it was supposed to be scary him hunting him being hunted by him you know he's running away like he's scared but he's just being 
you know, Winston just doesn't look look scary at all. Like I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, I'm just saying that if you if you make a casting change, you don't necessarily get the change of the script. So putting one guy in and still having him play kind of a goofy drunk guy or whatever is still going to come across goofy, as a goofy he drunk. He could be guy. goofy drunk until he's flipped over to the tethered. He'd be goofy drunk. That's fine. Him yeah, being goofy the, drunk, the, and then the tethered actually looks scary, which he was trying to be, and then didn't come across that way at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I won't argue with you only in the sense that I think it's kind of an irrelevant casting change in my opinion so it's you know whatever to me i I didn't think the original guy was bad i don't think Skarsgård would be bad so whatever he wasn't creepy and i think you really wanted to keep that these tethereds are creepy because everybody in their family was really freaking creepy and then nobody in the white family i guess the girls were kind of kind of but yeah he was really not yeah he was really not and so i, if I could swap swap the entire white family out for a different Different actors, I would, but I picked him because this is the one that blatantly was like, he's not scary at all. And I want him to be more scary. Yeah. So that was my change. All right. Okay. I can, I mean, I, I will totally agree that if your goal is to make it more scary, that Skarsgård gives off that vibe way more than uh, Tim Heidecker does. So, yeah. Yep. He's gone. So, <laughs> so what, what award did you give this movie? I gave this the best big screen Twilight Zone episode. I don't know if I agree with that. That's how I feel. I feel like uh, something like like, I feel like the he... prestige isn't couldn't be considered a Twilight Zone episode. No, what? no, it's not. Uh, what? N- no, Twilight Twilight Zone has a unique angle on it, and prestige is too. <clears throat> I'd have to think about that. It, the, the feel is not right. Twilight Zone has a unique feel to it with with every episode. It, it and it just doesn't quite work with the prestige. I think there's a lot of movies that does twilight zone ish better than what this did. And that's the first one that pops to my mind. I I feel like this is a long twilight zone episode. I I do not feel like I've never watched the prestige and felt like it was a twilight zone episode at all. I've never really watched twilight zone and thought this is like a horror movie. Uh, well, but that's the thing. I mean, this is, this has those, there are Twilight Zone episodes that have elements of horror in them, but clearly it was a TV show, so you can't go like full-blown horror, but it definitely had like a scary vibe to it for what it was trying to do. It had elements of that in its suspense and terror without the gore and the bloodshed and stuff. Um, and, and yeah, obviously Jordan Peele has Twilight Zone coming out here in like a few weeks, but it definitely felt like a Twilight Zone episode to me, even in the sense where it's, you know, kind of not perfect i mean even get out is kind of twilight zone ish but this one really felt like it tapped yeah more i think, into... I think that's a better twilight zone movie i mean that was right there in front of my face i couldn't even come up with yeah, that one and i do think there's ele- i do think there's elements of it but i i feel like uh us is like a hundred percent spot on a twilight zone episode just longer and made for it where i feel like get out just has some kind of elements of it well clearly he had that on the brain when he was making this sure and there's even a Twilight Zone episode in the first season. I forget what it's called. I think it might be called like Mirror Image or something like that about a lady who sees a doppelganger of herself in a mirror. So I, I think, and I think I even, now that I'm saying that, I remember Jordan Peele actually saying, acknowledging that in an interview. So um, there's ties there, but but that's what I felt like it was. I felt it was like a long Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, you could give it the long Twilight, the longest Twilight Zone episode award, but the best, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't think so. Agree to disagree. Yeah. 
I gave it the best horror movie trailer ever. Hmm. And I know, I don't know if I, I can't give Jordan Peele credit for a trailer, but if he did it, then kudos. Because that trailer set up what these box office numbers are. It was his... I don't think I can go for that. The best horror movie trailer? No. Name a better one. I, I kn- Alien is a very, very good trailer. Oh, it wasn't like... No way. Well, I, I mean, you're I, also I talking Alien, about... Com- you're, but... you're talking about comparing something from way back when to now, and obviously the art of trailers has gotten different, but that Alien trailer is so good. And honestly, I'd have to go back and watch some of the trailers for movies that we weren't allowed to see trailers for, like Jaws and Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, There's a whole bunch of those old trailers that I wouldn't even have the right frame of reference, but I know I've seen the Alien one, and I know it's great. Yeah, but it didn't hold the candle to this. You get the song, and you got the setup, and you don't know quite that he ruined the movie with his plot yet. And I think the trailer alone is why we're getting all these, uh, the huge box office numbers. You know, you have this setup with Get Out. You know, that helps too. But the trailer, I mean, I think that did it, because it sold me on the trailer the second I saw it. And it didn't, I don't think there's anything wrong with the trailer at all. I think it has more to do with Get Out. The trailer obviously had to help because you can't roll out a Wait, crap trailer and then still expect people to see it. But Get Out, I think. You saw that trailer and you, you said this looks freaking creepy and awesome at the same time. Well, yeah. I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you that the trailer is good. I'm just saying that if we're weighing which has more to do with it, I think Get Out has more to do with it. Because even if the trailer had been not so great, I think people would have been like, well, it's Jordan Peele and he did Get Out and we all know how great that was. So we're going to go see it anyways. See, and I might get crap for this. I thought Get Out was good. I didn't think Get Out was great. But I know Jordan Peele has the potential. And then I saw this trailer and was like, that looks freaking awesome. And so that's... Yeah, I'm just saying, I think Get Out has more to do with the box office than the trailer does. I don't think so. I think it definitely helped. It said, okay, competent director. And then you throw that trailer with Lupita and that song. And it's just creepy as all, all Get Out. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a good trailer. It's the best horror movie trailer. I I don't think I have the knowledge of horror trailers to be able to make that claim, but I will because you don't remember any of them later. because they're not as cool as this one. You'll remember this one for a long time. Yeah, I mean the Forever. music. I will exactly, <laughs> and that's part of the trailer. I think, you sh- I think you should be required to go watch some of the old school trailers that you haven't seen before you make that claim, like whether it's Halloween. Uh, Jaws. I've I've you seen know, even these. the Nightmare on Elm Street. If you click You've on seen the, the trailers for them, yeah, you click on Netflix, you can watch the trailers. That's not the trailer. They put the trailers on there. I don't think they're showing the original theatrical trailers of movies on Netflix. I think they're showing whatever they've created. Well, there's some that they do the little previews for, but then they do like if you just highlight over them. But if you actually click, you can watch the actual trailer. Go try okay. it. Okay, I try it. Okay, I will. I'm just saying you should go have to watch some of those classic ones if you're going to make a claim like that. I would argue that I've seen them, and they're nothing like this. Lies. I'll 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 take suggestions and I'll watch them, but they're not going to hold a candle to this one. Now, after I've seen the okay, movie, yeah, I mean some of the some of the umph behind it, but this was this was something else. No, I, I think that's a good one to throw out to the listeners because I know we have some people who listen who are big horror fans. So if you've got horror trailers that you love that you think are better than the Us trailer, then I think you should tweet them at 
at Carson Graff and force him to watch them and defend his his award. And we'll also tweet out your Twilight Zone stance because that's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I'd love to it's, hear uh, opinions on that one. Yeah, because you're wrong. I, I very well could be. There could be something I'm forgetting <laughs> about that I've seen that I think I fits the mold two, better. Two that are better, better movies, and fits fits perfect. No, I I don't think that Get Out is a better Twilight Zone episode than Us. It's a better movie, and it has certain elements of that. But I think holistically, Us is so much a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. Nope. It could have been. Oh yeah, <laughs> it could have been. It could have been a better, but it 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 failed in being a better movie. Those are two different. Those are two different topics. But but let's let's move on. We have one question left. Let's wrap this thing up. <laughs> if you if you liked this movie, you would also like. Okay, so I tried to stay away from the doppelganger-type movies because I felt like that was an easy, an easier choice. So I went with uh, what this movie reminded me of um, was The People Under the Stairs. Okay. Have you seen that? Yeah. Where they're, so they have the people down there, and they're, they turn cannibals because they kind of let them go, and that's kind of like the eating the rabbits, and then just kind of this other group of people now down in that one they were the bad guys that turned good kind of Uh, so that's a little bit different but it was the same idea of you keep them down there um as control mechanisms yeah that's that's kind of where i was going with that yeah i think i think that's fair i it's been too long since i've seen it uh since i was a kid when i saw it last to be able to make any kind of support or argument against it so i will just say that yeah that's that sounds conceptually right what about you what'd you come up with um i went with six cents i mainly did that because yeah i did that because i feel like i think there's some definite parallels between Shyamalan and jordan peele you know they're they're both these new hot filmmakers that are coming out making splashes in the horror genre the one thing I will say about Sixth Sense and us both is that they are far, far more well-crafted for kind of horror movies than what you would ever expect from a horror movie. I know horror fans might not agree with that, but you know, there's a term floating around called elevated horror. I'm not sure that you know, I necessarily buy into that, but I, I think people go into horror movies with a certain expectation of the quality, and I think movies like Sixth Sense, I'll throw Hereditary in there, Get Out, Us, they're, they're made it feels like at a different level. And I think Sixth Sense was shot extremely well with a great story and, and, and a twist at the end. Now, the difference is I feel like Sixth Sense uh, came through on its twist very clearly where Us did not. But they're both very, very competent movies, very suspenseful, both in the way they're shot and laid out. And I think that if you liked this movie, I think you would go watch Sixth Sense and feel like, okay, yeah, very good horror movie that's shot in different ways. I can, see, I, I like that. So that's where I'm going. So you just went quality. Well, I went with also like the the concept of there's this storyline that you're trying to figure out, and then there's a twist at the end. Clearly, Sixth Sense worked. This one didn't for us. Um, but also that it's it's shot extremely well for a horror movie. It builds that suspense. It builds the tension, drives towards something. There's just not as much of a payoff. Um, so I, I think that a, a very well-crafted horror movie that's, not what most people think when they think of horror. And that's why I drew the parallel more from like Jordan Peele over to M. Night Shyamalan. Well, let's hope he doesn't go down that same path. <laughs> right. Let's hope. <laughs> Got anything else? Are you good? 
I'm good. You're good? All right. Well, then we'll wrap it up. Uh, like usual, you can talk to us on Twitter uh, at Two Views Movies. Go out and subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you like us and leave us a review. Don't forget to tweet at Carson Graff about whether or not us has the greatest horror trailer. And at the same time, you can tweet at me if you think that there is movies out there that are better Twilight Zone episodes than what us is. But other than that, we will catch you next week when we will be talking Shazam. Shazam. That's right. Back in the DC mix. (laughs) That's it. We will catch you next time, folks. What should we do next? Something good? Something bad? Bit of both? Bit of both.